Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Chit Chatting with an S. Sarah here, and I am joined today by a really good friend of mine, Naz, who is based in Mexico. She's a teacher. Hi, Naz. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for joining, and let's dive straight into the conversation. You know how I use social media very much as a A form of escapism I don't know just like a fun platform for me especially Instagram so all of a sudden I started wondering shall I post stuff shall I not post stuff and generally just just my character when things happen I need a bit of time to take them in and I need a bit of time to reflect and understand how I feel but also understand what I can do about it and if there's anything I can do to start with because it might not be Mm -hmm. so going completely quiet on social media and I reduced Mm -hmm. my consumption anyway during lockdown so that's just been Mm -hmm. my reaction Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've been detoxing and then this happened and all of a sudden I started using a bit more to see what was going on because I have to be honest I got a lot of my information through social media and I started getting quite annoyed as well (laughs) yeah so I, I went through a range of emotions <laughs> okay well so I've ever since our last conversation about well the day after blackout Tuesday situation um, I've been thinking about social media and purposes of social media and obviously if we think about the advantages of social media and Instagram is well a lot of people are posting interesting relevant information to kind of make this movement more powerful and I completely am for that I'm, you know I, I think that's great that they're doing that it's kind of shedding light and sharing information right and like you said you would get all your information from Instagram and Twitter I, I think for you yeah. yeah Instagram and Twitter I don't use Facebook that much anymore I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily getting my information just from there so I was, I was relying on official news channels such as BBC but then on top of that, social media provided a constant stream of information as opposed to me watching the news for like an hour, a couple of hours a day. So yeah, exactly. like I had to acknowledge that a lot of news comes to me via social media, if not most of it. And that's the thing. That is true. But I think what had happened to me, the reason why I deleted my Instagram is because the stories more than anything and it was seeing all these stories when the pandemic started and you see all these stories about coronavirus and yeah um and then with George Floyd and it was just it created this pressure and I guess it even started from before when the pandemic started and I don't know if it's the effects of the quarantine but it just created this pressure to kind of conform to what everyone else was doing and I and I hated that. And I think I don't want social media to control the way I absorb information. I want to be able to find that information myself. I don't want to feel the pressure to post things. I don't want to feel the pressure to to do this kind of research. I want to be able to control my own, you know, absorb absorbance. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> It is. There we go. I've created a word um, of information. Yeah. Um, so essentially, and then, you want to be more in control of what content you consume. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, the tipping point for me, it was Blackout Tuesday Mm -hmm. when I felt this pressure that this weird pressure that I'm sure, well, I know a lot of other people felt as well, is that if you felt like you didn't post Blackout Tuesday, you weren't really joining this movement. You weren't in support of this movement. And in the end, I obviously 100% support this movement. And, and I believe that everyone has their own different way of showing support. And I did like the fact that, and I remember you were even saying this as well, I did like the fact that everyone were was coming together to show their support through this hashtag Blackout Tuesday, right? But then the, I don't know, just the pressure around posting it. And then again, the tipping point was when people were posting on their stories, telling people how to I guess post this or what to hashtag and and then also saying okay yes it's great that you're doing this but you need to do more that there needs to be more done around this movement don't just stop at posting this black square and it was just that pressure that just made me realize no I don't want to be a part of that I don't want to be a part of that I want to show my support in different ways and maybe I just don't want to be that kind of person that shows my support through social media. I feel like that Blackout Tuesday triggered so many people. I mean, it definitely triggered me as well. And obviously I started this podcast because of Blackout Tuesday because I I was so overwhelmed with emotions in terms of exactly what you said, just seeing people's responses. Uh I opened my Instagram that day and I started seeing the Black feed. And as you will know, probably listening to the pilot, which was just me blabbering mm-hmm. random thoughts. But also very relevant <laughs> and very lovely to hear on the day that I was very frustrated. Well, but that's the thing. I, I just had to share. And it, for me, a podcast, is, it's what it ended up being. But I remember going through a range of emotions from being quite excited about seeing all of this solidarity and unity uh, even though mm. it was just in the shape of a silly, well, what you could define as a silly black square, because that's all it is, really. Let's just call it out for what it is. It is a black square posted on social media, guys. Uh, it's not mm. saving lives. <laughs> um, and, and people were really acting as if it were the second, as if it were saving lives, and as if you had to know what to do, and you had to do it exactly the way certain people thought it had to be done for it to yeah. save lives. <laughs> so first of all, it doesn't save lives. Secondly, People are free to express themselves however they want on social media. I mean, disclaimer, mm-hmm. obviously, there is a limit and yes, mm-hmm. freedom of expression. But obviously, as long as you're not harming people and, and so on, but that would be a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. I was also very triggered by all the people that were given instructions quite aggressively, but very often um, to other users on how to utilize this, how to make sure they use the right hashtag because otherwise if it had mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter hashtag, for example, that would have just messed up apparently the world. <laughs> That's how it felt mm-hmm. being on that receiving end. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it, it has been a very overwhelming time for all of us. So I think adding mm-hmm. that pressure, adding that stress of pointing fingers for something that truly is very petty, which hashtag you're mm-hmm. using. It is very petty because, again, it's just yeah. a hashtag. I think it's great to give tips to people, and that's been a very positive thing that I've been seeing on social media. So people taking on um, their own feeds to share resources, to share links, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, give mm-hmm, advice. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between giving advice and pointing and fingers and being aggressive. Exactly. exactly. So and having a go at people. So 
I don't know. I feel like it's interesting because a lot of friends I've spoken to, including yourself now, agree with the fact that that felt a little bit unnecessary and was also a bit annoying. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Did you did you just delete Instagram or I mean, are you on other? No. So interestingly, I deleted Instagram. I don't use Twitter. Um, I just use Instagram and Facebook, as you know. Uh, Facebook will always be in my heart. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> Last person standing, just still posting photo albums. Which I will be doing soon because uh, I'm still, I'm, this whole situation has made me realise, you know what, I don't like Facebook I more mean, than anything. I, I say that, but then I, I go through all of your pictures, so it's good and Yeah, there you go. I do as well. Like, I sit here sometimes when I'm feeling nostalgic or bored, and I also go through my pictures from like 10 years ago. That's the great thing about Facebook. But no, also what I realized since deleting Instagram is that with Facebook, I guess it's the lack of stories more than anything. I feel like Facebook is a wider platform. It's more diverse than Instagram. I know there are stories on, on Facebook as well, but you don't really look at the stories on on Facebook. Do you? Yeah, it's not one of the I main don't. features. Yeah. No, exactly. It's one of the main features. So, but what I did realize is that because I have, I follow interesting groups or interesting people and stuff, and it's, I prefer it that way. So I'm still having access to the news, but in a less harsh way, it's more, okay, you know, it's, it's just kind of more on my, oh, that sounds pretty, I don't know, selfish in a way, yeah, more on my it. terms. <laughs> Say it. But it's just, I, I just find it more interesting. It's just, you know, okay, oh, here's a cool article or an interesting article to read or, I don't know, like, video to watch. And whereas I feel like, I don't know, Instagram, it's just wave of just way too much information. And and because of that information, that information is adding way too much pressure on people. And I guess because of that, maybe there are some people not, not really understanding what they are posting. So going back to the Blackout Tuesday, I actually have a friend here who is against mm-hmm. people posting the square, the black square. And um, and his reasoning was because he's Australian and he's got friends back in Australia who have made a lot of racist comments in the past. And yet they are the ones that are posting the Blackout Tuesday. So there is also that side to it where people... I guess don't really understand what they're posting and they are probably just doing it because of social pressure. But then I liked how you put it in your first episode where you put it very simply that, you know, it's okay to do it because at the end of the day it's spreading awareness. People are showing awareness to this current situation. Well, not current, it's obviously been happening for years and they're just coming together and showing solidarity. And that's it. You know, it doesn't have to be perceived as anything more than that. And obviously people can show their support in loads of other ways as well. But that was basically what it was, I suppose. And then you even explained at the end, you know, where the Blackout Tuesday initially came from. And it kind of just, (laughs) yeah, the end of the episode. I can't remember because I literally just So he said that, and that's an interesting perspective. I guess there's loads of different perspectives. There's so many different perspectives. But I think that's the beauty of social media for me. It just sparks these conversations. I can see why your friend, your Australian friend, would feel that way. I got that feedback from a couple of other 
um, friends, European mm. friends, who said the same. And my response to that was simply, of course, a lot of people will do it as a performative gesture because that's the nature of social media and especially Instagram, if we're talking about that specific platform. People use mm. it to showcase images or to showcase things or to give impressions or, you know, so again, it is what it is. It is what it is. But my point is if this performance in the specific case of the black square brings attention to a real cause, because the fact that someone is doing it just to get attention or just to follow a trend doesn't take away the meaning of it. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not, it just adds an additional square and it just adds another, you know, it just adds up to the count of people that mm -hmm. Of joining mm -hmm. and it does say something ultimately so we can choose to focus on those people that did it just to get other people's attention or just to jump on a trend or we can focus on the people that started it on the people that are having conversations about it that's our choice and that's social media mm -hmm. how conversations happen anyway like you know there isn't like one way of doing it it there will be different mm -hmm. opinions different points of view some people will be more committed some people won't be committed at all that's just life yeah so yeah let's just get over it <laughs> no, but it's, it's like i i posted something on facebook recently i don't know if you saw it's about teaching multicultural education to white people white kids yeah i saw that yeah and um and obviously i agree with that but but also i don't know if you remember my dissertation was about intercultural education I which is not just <laughs> I mean, I shared it we got a 67 <laughs> so <laughs> not, um, really there's a reason Wait. why i didn't get a first in my masters you know it's because of that dissertation um anyway, no, what was it, so remind me what your dissertation was about uh it was about implementing intercultural critical education so intercultural education with a focus on critical thinking oh in Bolivia yeah you did say that now I remember but I'm also gonna ask you to explain what course you did because I know obviously but the listeners don't know that you decided to interrupt your career temporarily and do another master's because you love studying so much <laughs> what was it in <laughs> So it was a master's in education, but with a focus on comparative education and international development. Mm -hmm. And it was because I guess I became so interested in education, I guess, policy making more than anything uh, internationally and how globally these policies are decided and implemented. And I find that really interesting. I guess living in Mexico made me very interested in that sense because there's such a divide between the wealthy and the not so wealthy and that is expressed in its education system um, in, in what way if you can summarize that i mean i know it's a big topic but what really stood out for you so like uh, i think just to summarize it in one quick line was this uh lovely graffiti drawing that i saw in a city called oaxaca city which i think no you haven't been there um, no, I like the, Oaxaca, the food chain, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the food that the name is from Oaxaca. I mean, it's spelled differently. I don't know why they spelled it like that, but you know, I guess it's the Western. Yeah, isn't it with an X? It. It's with an X. Yeah, it's an O A X yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A C A, whereas they spelled it with a W U. I don't know. Anyway, I really wanted to go to Oaxaca because I think you recommended it when I was. Yeah, there. I recommended it. I love Oaxaca. Um, next time. 
it's just extremely traditional and it's extremely um, political as well. It's just very interesting the conversations you get into with people there and, and just the graffiti in general just kind of expresses how this certain state is. But yeah, there was one graffiti painting with a girl holding a sign, a little girl holding a sign saying education shouldn't be a privilege for those who can afford it, basically. And that's the situation here is that if you've got money, you're guaranteed a decent education. But if you don't have money, unfortunately, the schools here, or the education system here is just, it's just quite poor. Mm. To be honest, that's the case in a lot of countries. Yeah. Even in developed countries like the US, the divide between public and private education is mm-hmm. it's massive. And the price tag that comes with private education is, is ridiculous. Like families mm-hmm. start saving from the onset essentially once they they get pregnant <laughs> they start saving money for their kids to go to good schools um I, for me it's quite foreign in the sense that i grew up in italy and in italy education is free and mm-hmm. uh, there might be other problems that are plaguing the country but in my opinion education isn't one of them because i think the standard is fairly high and the truth is the difference in schools is just in terms of the subjects that you pick and what you decide to specialize in. And some schools will be better than others, mm-hmm. but they're free. And then university mm-hmm. isn't free, but it's, it's definitely way cheaper than in many Anglophone countries. So for me, that concept of investing in investing literally in your kid's future in terms of the more money you, you put in. And, the, and when I say the more money, I don't mean because uh, the top-ranking universities, top-ranking colleges, and necessarily the most expensive, but it's because in order to mm-hmm. get your kid there, you need to be able mm-hmm. to afford all the tuition. And the extra mm-hmm. tuition kind of system is that if the school mm-hmm. is able to provide all kids with the same means, and then the parents mm-hmm. have to sort of go out of their way, and essentially that sort of exacerbates the divide because who has money to get these private tutors from when their kids are like literally can barely walk because I I hear my friends here in the UK that have kids it's just I find it crazy to hear the amount of money Mm -hmm. that they spend and how early these kids have to start getting these tuition classes which I still don't understand I mean why do you have to get tuition if you're going to school but anyway that's all and not only you're going to school you're spending like all of your day in school because again when I went to school in Italy I finished school by 1 30 I was home so I didn't even go I had like one full day per week I mean, we did go to school on Saturdays, which was horrifying thinking back now. Um, but but still, it's like, then what are these kids doing in school? And I don't want to say what are the teachers doing, because the teachers just have to stick to whatever curricula, I suppose, is thought. I mean, you're a teacher, so what what made you want to go into I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> um, what made me want to go into teaching is... I guess since I was a young kid, since GCSE time actually, so since year 11, I was helping a lot of other students with their revision. And I always had a way of making certain topics seem a lot easier than they actually are. Um, So I had a way of being able to communicate these with my peers. And then when it came to A-level as well, I had left my school and went to a different college, but I remember my friends from my old school they their math teacher had left this is just before their exam so they were panicking they needed help and I remember coming over and we all got together and I was basically just standing up kind of teaching them A-level math and then at university I remember I created my own revision guide that everyone loved we 
was written in a basic way to make it so understandable to other people. And everyone loved it because it was just so easy to understand. And it just made university level maths seem easy. And just things like this. I didn't know actually about this guy that you edited. That's amazing. Off the record. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I guess I felt the pressure by other people as well. At, you know, studying maths at university that we had to apply for one of the you know the top 100 FTSE companies or go into finance or that was the pressure that a lot of my peers were being faced with and I just realized I just never wanted that but then I just didn't know what to do and I always knew that eventually I wanted to become a teacher but there was just always this kind of battle inside my head and and with my family and with my friends where oh, everyone really? was yeah yeah um, even a mutual friend that we know um <laughs> I wonder who that is <laughs> was no also name. advising against it um you know like are you sure you want to become a teacher I mean isn't hmm? that sorry I'm interrupting you but isn't that sad because really teaching is one of the most valuable professions in the world in my opinion and not only in my exactly. opinion I'm sure and the fact that we live in a society that doesn't necessarily reward that to the extent that your close ones would advise against it because of, I suppose, what the financial implications of, of it would have been. Where The financial and the respect. Uh, I guess that would be a whole other episode. But going back to the whole respect thing, I think as a woman in academia, it's much harder to gain that respect. It's a heavily male-dominated environment. And I don't think it's a coincidence as well that a lot of leading theorists are male. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, yeah, that is true. In, that. in okay. higher education and further education more in than... Further education, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a good point because there's that divide too between yeah. higher education, which is a considered more prestigious, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that's male-dominated. And then you have... What, what, what would you call it? Um, Secondary education? I don't know. Like primary uh, and secondary very female very female heavy exactly exactly but yeah I think back then it was a lot worse so this was 2010 2011 when I was deciding what career I wanted to take but yeah sorry also I know you mentioned it but going back when I was deciding what career I wanted to do a lot of my friends entered graduate programs I decided to do a master's uh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do but it was after this master's that a lot of my friends were saying you have a master's in mathematics and a lot of my family members, you have a master's in mathematics. Why are you going to waste that by becoming a teacher? And those were the exact words. So it is really sad that there's this, I guess, reputation around teaching. Now it's not as bad. I think people do value education more than they did before, you know, 10 years, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's still an issue around education, definitely in the UK and the US. And that is definitely portrayed in salaries that teachers receive as well. So they're not paid well enough for the kind of work that they do. And it's interesting when you compare education with the UK and the US with countries like Finland, which is a very common example of it brought up. Salaries are a lot higher. Teachers are uh, respected a lot more. All teachers need to have a master's at least a master's in the subject that they plan to teach for them to become a teacher. So it's, it's interesting. And, and whole system, education system there in Finland is just completely different to the UK and US. But yeah, it is 
basically. I find that really interesting as well. I don't know if you've heard about that. What I do remember is that school starts a bit later. So that's one thing that stuck with me. Yeah, and the reason I remember that is for the fact that despite starting education later, kids seem to be happier and less stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. so that's an interesting one talking about that matter as well I just watched a modern family episode I've, I've decided to go back to season one as I love I modern family it. oh it's awesome um and there's this episode where this couple who have adopted a kid a lot of the other kids have gone behind well the parents have gone behind each other's backs to kind of apply for preschools even though they agreed they weren't going to send their kids to preschool for another year so then this couple found this out that all their kids have been sent to preschool and their kids are probably about maybe six months to a year old. And then they start panicking, saying, oh, my God, I, I need to send my, my I need to send Lily to, to preschool. Otherwise, she's going to grow up, you know, behind everyone else and academically wise. But I found that really funny because that's just the general thought process behind many parents. And that's also the issue is a lot of parents do think very traditionally about education and they don't understand anything outside of what they're, or what they're used to. Yeah, I, I really need to watch that show. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up now and then recently, every time I open Amazon Prime Video, is that what it's called? Not Amazon yeah. Video. It just pops up, this modern family, all the time because I'm currently watching a series called This Is Us and they keep on recommending modern family. <gasps> I told you about This Is Us, right? Did I not tell you about This Is Us? No, I always had it on my list because I knew that oh. it had a But I, I do watch it as well. I, didn't know I, I, I think at the beginning of quarantine, I became obsessed with This Is Us. And I watched no season one in like two weeks. Oh my God, the same. Like I've been watching it since I've been in lockdown. So I, I started yeah. from season one. I was like, okay, now I have time. I'm just going to start watching it. I love it. It's so good. But it's just... Uh, it just gets me so emotional like they just need to stop doing that like every single episode is just so emotional with that little yeah I know exactly exactly it's like I <laughs> at the beginning when I was watching it I thought okay I, I'm probably having like PMS and I was just yeah. crying <laughs> and then I realized oh, okay the whole series is like that right <laughs> so I just need to get my issues ready <laughs> but I, I like what they've done with the show because at the beginning I was a bit unsure like when they started tapping into you know race and I was a bit like mm. but I have to say mm-hmm. you, can, you can see how the show sort of evolves and becomes more mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that when you watched it and you know I think it starts very timidly like addressing certain issues and then it becomes more and more sort of open and obvious about certain topics and I I love the way it's done because it's done quite tastefully Mm -hmm. Um, it's great I mean I I haven't finished it yet I'm still halfway through season four um (laughs) wait I'm trying to I'm trying to think season there's four seasons yeah it's the latest one no so wait so what's, what's happening currently wait before I say anything have you well, no, just tell me, because I, I thought I finished it. Um, well, I couldn't say. Is it Vietnam? It's after that. So that was, that was the third season. Oh, oh my God, oh, there's another season. You're missing season four. There is a whole other season. Oh, oh my God. I'm so glad I didn't say anything, because I would have ruined, <laughs> I would have ruined it for you. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> 
Okay, all right. I mean, that's my new um, quarantine thing to watch then. I mean, especially when I come to the UK and I have to quarantine for two weeks, even though I'm probably... You know, you know what you're going to do tonight. How, how do you deal with social media and your pupils? Did you ever add the kids you teach to on social media? Do they ever ask you to be added on social media since we're talking about teaching? So teaching in Mexico is very different to teaching in the UK. There's, I feel like there's a lot of, and you know, for very good reasons, there's a lot of barriers placed uh, between teachers and students in the UK. But that's because of history has kind of created those barriers. Whereas in Mexico, the school I taught in, because it was an international school as well, it was, there was a lot more freedom with how you can interact with your students and the relationships you can build with your students. And in the end, I think to be a good teacher, you have to be, you have to create, you have to create a great relationship with your students, but you also have to feel some sort of attachment for them. And I think every school I've been to, I always create this attachment with the kids. Well, a few of my kids two years ago, when I left that school, a few of my students have added me on Instagram. I did tell them Instagram and not Facebook because I actually rarely use my Instagram. I rarely post things on Instagram. So yeah, so I do follow them. And it's it's been nice. I don't regret it at all uh, because they still messaged me two years later. It was Teacher's Day the other day and they said, happy Teacher's Day. Or um, they just messaged me every now and then to tell me that of this great math achievement that they've just experienced and to say thank you. And it's just, it's nice. I mean, that side of Instagram, I do like, um, you know, keeping in touch with people who are miles away. Definitely. But there was actually an interesting that I wanted to read out to you as well that the same friend I mentioned earlier from Australia sent to me mm-hmm. the other day. It was this. So it says, this social media blackout is dangerous when the only accurate news reports are literally coming from people's lives and stories. I mean, the reason why I'm reading this to you, by the way, is, is I want you to tell me what you think of it, mm-hmm. really. You're also coming from a place of privilege if you think we can just switch off like that. That really resonated with me. That and just a few other things that I was reading as well recently. Because I'm just like, okay, wait, shit, I've deleted my Instagram. Not because I don't want to talk about the situation. It's not because I don't want to be aware of the situation or do research on the situation, situations. But what people have been posting is that, okay, so if you're hiding away from it or you're deleting stuff or you're like filtering stuff, it's, it's like what you said at the end of the podcast, it's like it's okay to do that. But then again, there's a lot of posts basically saying it's not okay because you're just acting like a white privileged douche, basically. You know, by doing you know that. What? Like you're so right. And this, I'm sorry to do this again, but it brings me back to that study that I mentioned before. One of the points that they made is that the benefits and the harms associated with social media use vary across demographic and socioeconomic status, obviously, and racial subgroups of the population. And those benefits mm-hmm. that I mentioned, so and that they found, are generally applied to younger, better educated white users, whereas the harmful side mm-hmm. effects tend to manifest in the sort of older age demographic less educated and generally mm-hmm. racial minorities this is again in the u.s so it's a u.s specific study mm-hmm. but still i thought that is such an important point because as you know we we have that privilege i guess to just 
tap in, tap out. And we have the means to understand how to navigate this information. And I guess it could be harder okay. episode about Facebook as well, because you were talking about Facebook, about how you think you're more in control of information. But interestingly, for example, mm-hmm. older people, it's easier to cling to fake news on Facebook than it is on Instagram because they don't really use Instagram. Mm-hmm. And there was an interview mm-hmm. by Zuckerberg uh, to BBC, which is something quite rare recently, which I saw, I think it was like a month ago. And he was discussing uh, the steps that Facebook is taking to tackle fake news. And an example, mm-hmm. did you see this 5G conspiracy theory? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and apparently these are very popular in the UK. They really took off in the UK of all countries. And he was saying, well, this resulted in physical harm to 5G facilities. And that's when we realized it's our yeah. responsibility to do something and to work out an algorithm that can sort of eradicate that. But then he was talking about Facebook as breeding ground for for this fake news that seemed to stick mainly with that kind of demographic. So it's, it's super interesting because you perceive Facebook as a tool that gives you more control, whereas for other people, actually, that's a trickier tool to manage. We, you know, it's all very relative the way you use social media. Yeah, right. that is that is super interesting, actually, because I guess with the fake news, it's so hard to kind of distinguish or tell whether it is fake so I do get that that could be quite difficult I didn't know that that was the difference between Facebook and, and Instagram I mean but isn't wait hold, hold up who owns Instagram oh it's Facebook yeah so then why do you not see it on Instagram no, no, you, I mean you see it on Instagram as well but obviously they have access to data in the back end and they're saying that Facebook is the platform of choice for elderly people so fake news and also because of the way that the nature of the platform because if you think about it instagram is that of posting an image and then you have a caption of course that mm-hmm. caption can be used to share fake news but deeper say the medium of facebook is better place to do that because you can share articles and then and the thing is there is that element of trust whereas the way instagram is used is people tend to share a lot of content with strangers whereas on facebook it's mm-hmm. called friends and i think that's a matter yeah, if someone okay. trusted shares a piece of information with you or you see it under a wall that validates the piece of information so it's mm-hmm. I mean there's so many layers to it do you think you ever reinstate your Instagram account or do you think you're done for good um I will do at one point I think mainly because it's still nice to keep in contact because again there's certain people on my Instagram that I don't follow on Facebook and it's it's nice to keep in contact with them so I think at one point I will I think um after this quarantine definitely I do feel that during this quarantine it there is this built-up frustration globally amongst all of us and hopefully once life goes back to normal I will definitely reinstall it you know it's almost like you're taking a temporary break and you're just detoxing from it all for as long yeah. as, as you need to and I, I guess it's, the reason I say it's interesting is because you you know you haven't decided to do this permanently you're already sort of confirming the fact that you might um, reinstate this so social media has become such a part of our lives that mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard to just come off it completely I, do, I, I know it is it is very hard but the thing is I never I never used to use it as much as I used it during quarantine and it's because, you know, we all had our lives, we had work to do and other areas of focus 
Yeah, and I was going to say, this is so interesting because I was doing a bit of reading before mm-hmm. this call and I found a really interesting research from 2020, mm-hmm. which was carried out at Harvard. And I think this was the Center for Health and Happiness, which I thought was quite mm-hmm. cute. Anyway, <laughs> the Center for Health and Happiness at Harvard. And the study was just looking at the effects of social media on mental health. and. Mm-hmm the samples mainly in North Americans, looking at how social media consumption affects our mental health. And the thing they found is that actually social media can have positive effects if it's used in a balanced way, in the sense that it's integrated with your daily routine in a healthy mm-hmm. way. And what leads to a negative effect is excessive use, which fuels anxiety, depression, isolation, FOMO as well, which was interesting, so fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And, and this was a study they did recently. And I thought it was interesting because what they were saying is that the result was unexpected in the sense that one of the conversations a lot of researchers have been having over the past decade has been around the fact that social media on a daily basis might be a bit too much. But then with the new generations, that doesn't seem to be the case. In fact, they found that uh, there's a positive association between using it moderately on a daily basis mm-hmm. and social well-being, positive mental health and self-rated health. And that's because it sort of helps with awareness, emotional support, self-expression, um, mm-hmm. self-identification. Whereas when there's that excessive use, that transforms into anxiety, body consciousness, bullying, um, depression. Mm-hmm. So in a way you're confirming what I read on this study because what you're saying is during this lockdown in which we've all been spending way too many hours in front of our screens obviously one of the results has been that of overconsumption of social media and as a result what Mm -hmm. was once positive outcome just ended up being a negative one for your Mm -hmm. mental health. What I find interesting as well um, is um, what I would like to know as well from you is we both had very similar views or have very similar views towards Instagram and what happened the Blackout Tuesday because as we discussed the day after it we completely agreed with each other but you kept your Instagram do you feel like you will continue to have it open or would you delete it what are your views around that so I I will definitely keep my account what I've done and what worked for me has just been reducing the consumption making sure that I don't find myself opening the app every hour which is something Mm -hmm. I I got to the point of doing (laughs) after like a few weeks in lockdown and that's worked quite nicely for me what's also worked nicely for me has been just not posting anything throughout this period Mm -hmm. and actually taking action in other ways I've done that and now I feel so much better and now I feel like I'm back to consuming social media without feeling that anger because again I think it was very much related to that blackout tuesday situation which uh, i think it was a couple of weeks ago now so mm-hmm. i was thinking about a podcast that i listened to recently about the evolution of social media and they were saying that you know we've become both curators and consumers of content simultaneously which is something that's never happened and i think it was that pressure of curating your online persona that sort of gets to me sometimes yeah. and i i guess my reaction throughout the whole lockdown so even before the protest started has been that of getting off it to spend more time focusing on actual factual things for myself. So it's been mm-hmm. interesting because people 
that will know me know that I'm very active on social media, at least on Instagram, not on all social media. And I mm-hmm. kind of went silent to the extent that, you know, I got people asking me, you're right, you know, you're lying. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just, it just happened. I didn't initially make a conscious decision to, but then after the protests erupted and this happened with the Blackout um, Tuesday, I, I think I decided to make a conscious sort of choice to limit mm-hmm. that. Sorry, that was a really long response to very simple question but <laughs> no 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 because you because this whole time I realized it was really just asking my opinion mainly but then I realized we haven't really asked your opinion towards it as well because you felt the same way I did for me it's just been a whole and I guess for most people the whole lockdown I mean yeah the experience changes so much from household to household from person to person so there is no mm-hmm. experience in terms of how people have experienced this lockdown. For me personally, um, I've been self-isolating on my own and it's been an opportunity to explore a lot of things that I wanted to explore and never really had time or made time for. So it's been Mm. all in all very positive, but it's also been very much centered around me and myself. So in that sense, social media has been critical in terms of providing content on a daily basis, but what naturally happened was that I took a step back in terms of publishing content. So I guess that whole curator aspect of it was put on hold to curate my actual life. <laughs> so well, but, um, I mean, I think what's been really interesting as well is that during this pandemic, a lot of people, they haven't been publishing anything personal. And a lot of people have kind of followed this trend of publishing articles or, I don't know, memes or posts of other things which is not related to their lives. And that's why it's been so overwhelming as well, on top of going through this pandemic and having to self-isolate, having to then go on your Instagram and see a flood of all this information. It can be definitely quite detonating. uh, No, what's the word? God. (laughs) Detrimental to your mental health. (laughs) Detonating worked as well. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, I want to end on that because I think what you said is such a great point because none of us has ever experienced anything such as this Mm -mm. massive global lockdown, if you will, throughout this pandemic. And a lot of its effects have been unexpected. And I think what you just said is one of those unexpected effects that Mm -hmm. people initially, including myself, expected to consume and maybe also publish light entertaining content to Mm -hmm. get through this period and I think that's what happened initially and then very quickly everyone's feed started being inundated with very meaningful content and content that some people might even define as quite heavy but truthfully Mm -hmm. it became another means to document reality and and as you mentioned before reality that very often is not even necessarily reported by main media and I don't think any of us was prepared for it I think this Mm -hmm. is part of what's happened I think we were all ready to consume like really silly entertaining vapid content and that's how it all started off like oh yeah let me watch keeping up with the Kardashians and see you know what you know what Uh we're doing this time and then all of a sudden you're like social injustice is just boom it's it happens every day but now your social media is sort of shining a light on that and yeah just need to deal with it and I think it's great but I think it obviously mm-hmm. is a lot psychologically and the truth mm-hmm. be told some people just decided to stay in their own bubble I mean yeah. we're having these conversations because 
we care about what's going on but there are a lot of people that don't care and at the end of the day the content that you're fed is the content that you most likely want to see so it's an Mm -hmm. interesting one because I think some of these people that don't want to see this kind of content their bubble has still been slightly cracked and some of that content has still penetrated their world because this is world news and it's relevant and finally these conversations are happening at a sort of governmental level but still there is that sharp contrast between people being sat at home all day and wanting to be entertained versus the reality of the world which is mm-hmm. happening and they're not entertaining they in fact they're infuriated. and I, I think and I think just just exactly we're infuriated but that's the thing even before the quarantine before the pandemic happened there was a balance between yes entertaining yourself but also reading up on current affairs and you know social injustice situations that are happening around the world but there was a balance like you mentioned earlier there was a balance between the two and I guess it can also be I'm going to use the word detrimental again to your mental health if you're only focusing on that and I don't know if that sounds selfish of me to say that but if your days are going by where you're just reading up on these issues that are happening and and nothing else you're not diversifying your your daily activity you're just focusing on this I think that can also be quite detrimental to your mental health I I agree with you 100% so hopefully people can just try and find the right balance that works for them in terms of how much of this content they want to consume on a daily basis and and I don't think it makes you a worse person if you decide to filter some of this content out or if you decide to limit the amount of time that you spend reading up on current affairs that having said that it's important Mm -hmm. to stay informed and I think everyone should take advantage of the fact that these days social media can bring this type of information into your houses Mm -hmm. live basically as it happens so I think that's something incredible but at the same time Mm -hmm. you know use with caution (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right Oh, yeah, by the way, this sounds really funny, but usually I'd ask for you to share social media details, but obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I mean, we've just spoken no. about it. <laughs> so that would be hilarious. Anyway, I might keep this. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> not doing that. Um, thanks a lot for taking your time to have this conversation I realized we were all over the place but that's what I love about the conversations I have with friends that you never know where they're going but they always end up being super interesting and providing a lot of food for thought at least for me so thanks a lot for taking the time to join us and I'm aware of the fact that you're gonna have to go and eat now so what time is it there past 3 p.m oh okay 3 yeah. You're definitely very late for your it's, it's, you a Mexi- having- it's the Mexican lunchtime. This is the Mexican <laughs> lunchtime. Okay. All right. I'm going to I kept you starving <laughs> talking to me. But thanks no, a lot. Yeah, but yeah, and thank you for organizing this and creating your podcast, your very interesting podcast on, oh, on certain topics. Thanks. Need Still to trying to understand where, where it's going, but you know, recording <laughs> on the best. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, and have a <laughs> lunch. Thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye.